Welcome to a special anniversary episode of uh, Talking Kotlin, where we are celebrating 10 years of the Kotlin programming language. It's honestly been quite the journey, and I'm very happy to have a co-pilot for this journey and my co-host with me, which is Hadi. Hey, Hadi. Hello, Seb, or Sebi. As I yeah. found out recently, you want to be called Sebi? It's literally in my Twitter handle. It's, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't should it be, be Se- new. Should it be Sebi NIO? You know, to kind of like be with the whole asynchronous model now? I mean, maybe, but that's not a top-level domain, so I can't really register that one. Yeah. Oh, the IO is for the domain. Oh, yeah, you, I get you it can now. you can go there and you can find a very outdated version of of my portfolio. Yeah, so we do have a special episode today, right? We have everyone uh, from the Kotlin community, <laughs> all all ten of us, <laughs> literally everyone. <laughs> We've been trying for ten years to grow this community. We did it, and uh, this is where we are, right? We did it. So, uh, so should we go around and have everyone introduce themselves? Sounds like a great idea. Let's uh, start with Justin. Okay. Um, as you can see, my name is Justin Lee. I work at Red Hat on the Quarkus project. I'm primarily responsible for the Kotlin support um, there, and I work on various other Kotlin libraries. Um, and I don't know. I've been doing. I've been messing with Kotlin since about 2011, actually. Early, early on, I saw Heidi at a Java one, and thought that looks fun. So, been with it ever since. Hi, I'm Jake Wharton. I work at Square on Cash App, the Android client. Um, brief flirtation with uh, also working at Google on Kotlin stuff. Um, but on on Cash, we we adopted Kotlin early on and are big proponents for the multi-platform efforts. Hi, everyone. I'm Margarita, and I work as a software engineer in Center Source. And currently, I'm um, developing a Kotlin analyzer, like static code analyzer. So it should be promising. And before this, I was leading Kotlin community in uh, Kyiv, Ukraine, for around three years. We organized a lot of meetups, conferences, and uh, that was real fun. And I am a big fan of Kotlin. Hello, everyone. My name is Pamela Hill. I'm an Android engineer from GoDaddy Studio. We used to be called Over Engineering. And um, I'm from Victoria in South Africa. We're waiting for a pun. It, yeah, it's a very punny place to work. <laughs> um, I'm from Victoria in South Africa, so I, I might be representing the entirety of the Southern Hemisphere as cotton people today. I don't know. Am I? Yes, probably. Yes. Why not? Yes. Okay. I've got a whole hemisphere to myself. Thank you. Oh, and Cotton, um, I started learning Cotton just as the Google announcement came through um, for the, the support for Android, um, and it has been a lifesaver. Hi, I'm Huen Huet Dao. I'm an Android developer at Atlassian working on Trello. I've been using Kotlin since November 2016, and uh, I love it. Uh, you might have seen me talking at KotlinConf sometimes, and sometimes interviewing people like Margarita and Jake at KotlinConf when we used to do those things. <laughs> KotlinConf, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Brent. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, Brent Watson, work at American Express. Uh, on the Android side, I also got started with Kotlin early. I was the um, technical proofer for the Kotlin in Action book that uh, Dimitra and Svetlana wrote. So that's how I got started, kind of pre-1.0. Um, and I run the New York City Kotlin meetup. 
So, Hadi, it seems we have an absolute all-star cast for today's episode. Yes, we do. Seb, do you want to introduce it? No, I'm joking. Uh, so, you know, it's funny. Uh, we got Jake here. Um, and uh, one of the things that we wanted to ask you all was, like, how did you get into Kotlin? Now, Justin um, said that he got into Kotlin by watching me. Is that correct, Justin? Correct. I don't know if you remember. There was uh, It was at a Java one, and it was in one of the hotel rooms, the Hilton, I think. And it was this weird kind of, I don't know if you remember those hotels, but there was like labyrinthine passages. And there's this little tiny room off to the side. And there was maybe a dozen or two people in the room. It was a smaller room. Um, but yeah, you were talking about Kotlin. And I've always kind of flirted with JVM languages, like Scala and Mira, Gosu. Um, Phantom is not a JVM language, but I was flirting with a lot of different languages. And then I saw Kotlin and it just, it seemed great. It seemed like everything I wanted Scala to be without everything that Scala actually turned out to be. So I latched on pretty early. Yeah, I think they gave me the smallest room in the venue for that. Um, but, uh, yeah. Who's laughing now? Yeah, exactly. But I could justify my existence now. You see, I could say that all these years of developer advocacy paid off because I got Justin into Kotlin. Now, exactly. And um, and I, I was mentioning Jake because we all know that every time I would ask someone like, so how come you got into Kotlin? They're like, oh, I read Jake Walton's paper. Uh, so, Jake, <laughs> did you read your paper or how did you get into Kotlin? <laughs> The yeah the paper uh, the paper was actually my second foray into Kotlin. Uh, I had a coworker introduce it to me in probably 2012, late late 2012, uh, and I really didn't like it. Uh, this this was very early on when the syntax was still evolving and very different from where it was where it turned out for 1.0. Uh, so it it was a a very brief look, and I it kind of fell out of my mind completely until yeah the in 2014 you know java was a little stuck uh transitioning from sun to oracle um java on android was very stuck with google having its hands tied uh not really knowing how to evolve the language on the platform and kotlin came at sort of appeared on our radar uh as this thing that could give us the modern features of a language that we we wanted and we saw other people using without a, a penalty that was so prohibitive like something like a scala or a groovy would give you on android and uh yeah the the paper actually didn't take that long to write i spent a day or two just diving as deep as possible as fast as possible because i i just wanted to start using it and nothing in there was specific to square so I figured why not put it out in the open and maybe allow other people to use it uh, as a way to adopt Kotlin in their workplace. And it seemed like it worked. Yeah, thank you for that. So who actually here read Jake's paper? <laughs> the, what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> do, do we get the wrong group of people that read Jake's paper? Right. Cut this part out. No. Um, when you read it, right? So how did you get into Kotlin? Oh, I got into it before. So actually this, I got it. I, I know the exact moment I heard about Colin. That was like March, 2016 at DroidCon San Francisco because our good friend, Christina Lee was not talking about Kotlin, but she was, she thinks she was talking about like React and UDF and her code examples were in Kotlin. And I didn't think too much of it. I was with uh, my friend and 
co- uh, coworker Dan Liu, and we were like watching your presentation. He's like, "Oh, I think that's Kotlin." I was like, "What's Kotlin?" And so after that, kind of, I started learning more about it. And then actually, it wasn't until April, May, we got a few new team members on. And one of those team members was another good friend and uh, coworker, Vishnu Rajivan. And he was the one who was like, hey, uh, do you know about Kotlin? Do you want to try using it in the code base? And it kind of just, uh, I'm going to say snowballed from there. Basically, like, hey, let's use a unit test. And by November, we were using it in production. So short and sweet. I did read Jake's paper, but after all that, just to give proper credit where credit is due. Are, are you going to give me any credit or? I'll give you some no. credit. I'll give you some credit oh, okay. for trolling us uh, the next year. Like, uh, I think actually I dragged Vishnu on Talking Kotlin with me. And I remember this was right before the Google I.O. announcement. And Hadi was like, oh, I wonder if there's going to be anything interesting announced at Google I.O. this year. And we're just like, <laughs> we, we don't we don't know. And then, of course, that was the year that Android started supporting Kotlin. So, yeah. So I'll blame you. Is that same as credit? Yes, it's about the same. It works for me. As long as my name <laughs> pops up, I'm happy way. <laughs> it's all about SEO. Well, uh, on this topic, actually, I do have to ask you, Hardy. You you do have to tell us uh, the, the the very abridged version of how you got into touch with Kotlin at first, because I know people are going to ask in the comments. I, I, I've mentioned it, I think, numerous times. It was uh, Andre Breslav couldn't go to a conference, and he said, can you go and give a talk on Kotlin? And it was like I had about 45, 50 days to learn Kotlin, the JVM and everything. And it was so bad that I was using C-sharp uh, conventions in my code. Uh, it was just, it was horrendous. Yeah. But but I got the, J- Justin, for your re- for the, for your information, it was at OSCON. I got the largest room in the venue, around oh, 800 nice. people. Um, and about eight people showed up. So pretty nice. <laughs> Yeah. Well, estimation is a traditionally hard problem. So, uh, Margarita, do you also want to tell us a little bit about how you maybe got started? Because uh, it's very exciting to to see people, uh, you know, go go from from starting with the language in the first place to now. You said you're working on on analyzers for the language. That's that's quite a journey. Yeah, that actually was my dream job to because uh, yeah, I tried to introduce Kotlin in many companies uh, that I worked for. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, this process uh, doesn't go smoothly because there are other developers and not all of them are so excited about Kotlin. And uh, my journey was uh, uh, started, I guess, in 2015 or something like this. I've heard about Kotlin and I heard something like JetBrains is developing new JVM language. And uh, I thought, like, why do we need one more JVM language? And I said, thought, like, it won't won't be that great. Uh, but in 2016, uh, there was a conference in Kyiv, and I heard uh, a talk from Anton Keks. And uh, I was so much impressed uh, by his outfit. So I thought that <laughs> <laughs> the guy in such great outfit uh, can tell some bullshit. So I thought that was definitely something great. <laughs> <laughs> And, That's why uh, he always gets top marks at KotlinCon because of his outfit. There we go. Yeah, it's a note from a next conference talk, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so I started learning Kotlin after this, uh, and uh, I really fell in love with it and started like propagating, advocating it everywhere, and suddenly started uh, the Kotlin community in Kiev, and and finally I am in Geneva working on Kotlin Analyzer. Okay, so two more. Pamela, quick, where did you get introduced to Kotlin? Um, I think I saw your talk at Google I.O., Hadi. 
I wasn't fire, but I saw it remotely. And um, yeah, I think that that was it. A colleague of mine actually, um, you know, mentioned, hey, look at this talk, you know, look at Kotlin. And um, he was actually, we worked together before and he had moved to the Netherlands and obviously they were exposed a little bit more to Kotlin. So um, I looked at the talk and I was amazed. I really enjoyed it. So kudos to you. Thank you. See, <laughs> two people now justified my life. Brent. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Hattie, it wasn't, it wasn't you this time. Um, was it Jake? No, it wasn't Jake either. Oh, I mentioned okay. it a bit. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I already mentioned it a bit. So uh, my first uh, entrance to Kotlin was through uh, Co the Kotlin in Action book. So um, Manning Press, I think this book came across their desk, and it was kind of their first Kotlin book, and they didn't have anyone to really review Kotlin content. So they reached out to people who had reviewed Java material in the past. So I had tech reviewed a bunch of their Java material. So they reached out, they're like, this is kind of like Java. Do you want to take a look at it? Um, and I was doing Android at the time. So it kind of fit right in, uh, similar to what uh, when uh, mentioned where everyone was just trying to dip their toes in the water with unit tests. You didn't want to fully commit. So we did the same thing. I was tech reviewing the book uh, kind of on the side. And then at work, I was rewriting unit tests in, in Kotlin to sort of play with the language. Um, yeah, that's how I got into it. I love how everyone started with unit tests, you know, like, oh, let, let's do it in the non-important part of the of, of the of the project, you know, the tests, who cares? <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, you know, it's been quite a while since then, and uh, the community has grown quite a bit. We're now 12. Uh, and, and a few more online. And I remember, Justin, you were around for this, right? Do you remember our IRC channel? Yeah, I still run it. Oh, you still run it? I'm still there, yep. It, it, has anyone else shown up? Yeah, it gets it gets decent traffic. Uh, I, I tend to direct people to the Slack channel when they come in if they're interested, um, just because there's more people and Slack is more active. Um, but yeah, we probably have 20 or 30 people in there. It's, I mean, it's, it's reasonably active. It's not overwhelming. So Justin, <laughs> when I left there about five, six years ago, we had about 12 people. <laughs> Your growth is astounding here, right? <laughs> Justifying my existence. But no, but it was funny because we used to have uh, this IRC channel. And, and once in a while, it was always silent and people would pop in and ask some question and then it was like no you're looking for the town in poland that's a that's a different <laughs> <laughs> that's a different channel and it was the same for like uh twitter twitter every time kotlin would pop up it was about the ketchup there's a ketchup also called yep. uh uh kotlin so folks for those of you that have been in the community for so many years how have you seen it adopt and change yeah this is right up my alley running a, a meetup i think margarita said she run, runs one as well um when we first started the meetup, um, we had, you know, maybe 100 people, then it grew to 200, it grew to 300. Potty, after you uh, did your, your thing at Google I.O., that kind of just made the whole thing explode. And we just doubled in size overnight and then over the next year tripled in size. Um, yeah, so it's been nothing but kind of a hockey stick, stick curve um, as far as uh, meetup. Uh, numbers and attendance. 
So, uh, Margarita, I, uh, so you said that you are uh, involved both in the in a in a user group, but as far as I know, you're also involved in uh, doing conferences for for Kotlin now. Is that right? Um, yeah, I I think I was involved because I was uh, in Kiev and uh, there was no COVID, and we did offline conferences. And I remember when we did our first meetup, it was like uh, fifty people or something like this. Uh, then. For each meetup, we get more and more people. And when we did our first conference for the first time, it was around 100. And the next year, we uh, gathered 200 people. And we hope that the third time we would gather like 300 or something like this. But unfortunately, there was a COVID and we all became online. So, but uh, there was a really like, great growth and uh, the interest also was growing because, like, first year you're trying to find some sponsors you're asking companies if they're interested if they're using kotlin and like nobody really cares like it's it's not java we won't give you some any money and uh, um like in a years uh companies started being interested in kotlin and started telling us that okay we, we would like to invest in you to, to help you to be your partners and that's really amazing so do you feel that now with, with everything moving online, uh, conferences still have a good place and still reach a lot of the community? Uh, do you think that's still kind of the, the, the way to go forward right now? Um, it's a, a difficult question because uh, uh, like, uh, I don't know like about the majority of people, but for me and for my friends, conferences are more about like socializing, finding new friends, finding the people who are... Uh, think um, like the same as you and online conferences absolutely kill this purpose they just like uh, it's really hard to make this uh, stuff and i really looking forward to when we will get back to these offline events because online events it's a great opportunity because uh, now i don't need to bring any speakers from united states to europe because they just can uh, go live and we can find uh, like appropriate time slot for them and we don't need to pay for the airplane and so on but actually uh we cannot really socialize we cannot uh, like have some uh, discussions uh, face to face and that's really sad so i still believe in offline conferences more than in online events okay confession time how many of you had actually have met over meet and gotten drunk after an online event <laughs> does, does during count during yeah that works as well i mean have any of you done any online events this year at all kotlin or not yeah any some of you pamela you have any standouts that you'd like to talk about um i actually want to mention something um so obviously i'm from south africa we, we don't have a lot of conferences and as does the rest of Africa. So what's really nice about online is we get to be part of CottonCon, we get to be part of DroidCon, all the other conferences that you you dream about going to and you don't get the opportunity because it's like, what, 10 hours away online. Um, and it's really like cost prohibitive and everything. So it's really cool to actually be part of conferences and have your friends be part of it too. Um, like we had the opportunity to have um, with a few of the conferences last year. So it's really, I, I, I enjoy the online conferences. It means that I don't have to travel so far and be jet lagged and so on. So 
but it also means that that a larger part of the world can actually be part of the bigger Kotlin family. Um, and that's what I also enjoyed of KotlinCon being live streamed is, you know, I could get feedback from friends in Cape Town um, that were saying, you know, they were cheering for me when I spoke. And, um, you know, people from all over the place where I saw it was being live streamed. That, that was really amazing. So um, I, well, I do enjoy, and we did have a Kotlin Everywhere um, meetup or uh, conference in Johannesburg. Um, we didn't have a lot of people because there just aren't a lot of um, developers in South Africa. There's, you know, we've got, uh, in South Africa, we've got the most in Africa, but it's still not a lot. Um, and most of them, most of the people that actually came were Android developers, but we did have a, um, we had an Android track and we had a more everything else track and it was, both were really well attended. So, yeah. Well, that's that's actually really exciting. Yeah, it's always it's it's nice to see people come together, uh, especially in you know con connecting all over the globe, whether it's it's online or offline. I actually want to um, take us in a, into a bit of a different direction and talk a little bit also about uh, the growth kind of around the the ecosystem and the way that that Kotlin has evolved. And I'd actually like to start with a with a short question for uh, Huen. Because you've like you've talked about the Kotlin standard library uh, for a for a long time, and uh, kind of also very in depth. And maybe it's also I'm, maybe I'm a bit personally biased now because I'm also doing the YouTube show on the Kotlin standard library Safari. Do check that out on our channel. <clears throat> uh, good plug. Good plug. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just wondering how how you feel, kind of how the the Kotlin standard library, especially, but also kind of the ecosystem around Kotlin, has grown over time. Um, whether you kind of agree with the direction the team's taking it, a little bit in that direction. Yeah, um, don't don't forget to say also to smash that like button and to subscribe and hit the don't. bell notification uh, on the channel. Sorry. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been really actually. I think that's so interesting. So the standard library, I love. Like I did actually watch several of your videos about some of the new uh, the new functions in one point five, and I was super excited. I'm also a big unsigned int fan. So um, in that sense, I'm very happy with the direction. Um, this is actually pretty interesting, and I I kind of want to I'll I'll answer that actually about call it multi-platform actually um so it's interesting because i feel like uh in my career i started out very hopeful about cross-platform you know anything um when i started my career i was actually kind of in the flash world and they were trying to get into like web and, and desktop application development and being a young you know like naive person i thought oh this is so cool we're going to be everywhere and like like a lot of like a lot of solutions it it just you know it just it, it didn't pan out for whatever reason um, probably due to Flash itself, but you know, and, and like over the years, like seeing things like Titanium and like some of the other uh, solutions out there, I, I've been I've become very skeptical. And to be to be honest, I think with Kotlin, I'm, I've always like been like curious, but and like a little bit skeptical. So like when I first learned about Kotlin, I was like, oh, that's nice, it's a new language. But then when you, when I kind of finally got a chance to use it, I got excited about it. Uh, same thing with like coroutines. Like, oh, cool, asynchronous programming, we already do that. Like, what's this? I'm like, oh, shoot, coroutines and structured concurrency are awesome. Let me let me adopt that. And I think the same thing happened with Kotlin multi-platform. I was like, oh, that's really cool. But, you know, multi-platform. <laughs> and now I, I'm really into it. And I think that um, I'm really excited about that. I think that um, especially being someone who is so, has been so historically skeptical about it. Um, I'm actually very um, happy to see where it's going. I'm happy to see like broadening support and broadening adoption. 
I'm seeing, you know, like, you know, colleagues and friends like actually release Kotlin multi-platform in production. And we're like on my team at work, we've, everyone is experimenting with it. Everyone is getting not just like Android people, but also the occasional iOS person, occasional, uh, and like web web folks and server folks excited about it. So I think we're going in a great direction. I think that the broadening support and support and the you know continued work on like, you know, like IR and everything like that is just gonna kind of keep going. And I, I'm very hopeful. Maybe I'm sliding back into being young and naive again, because when we all like to be young and naive again. Um, but I, I'm very hopeful. And I, I like the way things are going. And I, I also just like, yeah, like the continued work on things like the standard library, just making the small things better and also making kind of like the big underground thing underground, like the, the foundations better as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. I, I like it. I like it. So talking about multi-platform and uh, libraries outside of the standard library, Jake, I mean, you folks at Square, um, and you and Alec, I guess, do a lot in that area. Have you seen an increase in interest and demand for multi-platform? I mean, there's certainly a uh, an increase in willingness from other platforms to entertain the thought of dealing with Kotlin multi-platform. And I, I, I think a lot of that is due to the thoughtfulness in the way that it's designed, which is sort of different than how... Um, some other languages have, you know, sort of attempted cross-platform solutions where Kotlin still intends to try, you know, it still targets the like intrinsic language of each platform. It, it's targeting JavaScript on JavaScript, obviously, targeting native through LLVM on native and targeting bytecode on the JVM and Android. And then also looking forward, um, going after like a WebAssembly target directly rather than uh, going through LLVM. It's very different than something where, uh, you know, a language just says like, well, I'm just going to compile down to native. And then if you're calling from, you know, the JVM, you go through JNI or you're on the web, you go through in script in or something, um, some other hoops to jump through. The, the thoughtfulness of like trying to adapt to where these platforms are with the language rather than having like tooling on the consuming side, having to adapt to whatever Kotlin is generating, uh, I think has made made people more receptive and willing to accept it. Uh, and I'm constantly surprised in the, the Slack group where I see people coming in from these other domains, from being an iOS programmer, from being a JavaScript programmer and having a willingness to try out Kotlin because it allows them to target these platforms in a way that uh, they can run their code on more than one thing, but also in a way where they sort of have control over how it actually gets executed. Uh, and yeah, like we, we believe in it. We, we do a lot of work on it. We're uh, pushing really hard to increase more of our, um, more of our code base into sort of the shared multi-platform space. And uh, I don't think it's for, it's never going to be a hundred percent. And I think that's, that's fine. But as long as it's more than zero, well, hopefully a lot more than zero, but. Uh, <laughs> um, setting the bar real low there, Jake. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we, we extract great value from it. So yeah, like, you know, as long as it's somewhere sort of in the middle there where we're, we're just leveraging this power of being able to move code between platforms while still able to use each platform for what they do best, writing UI and Swift UI, but still having multi-platform business logic, uh, writing web UI and React review, but still having multi-platform business logic from Kotlin. Same thing on Android using, you know, Compose UI or whatever, um, but still sharing business logic through Kotlin. Uh, there's just a, 
a dramatic value there that's not as realized when you do something like you know just target native with with some language so um yeah our, our excitement is as high as ever yeah and I, I will say sorry to kind of go back is that that thoughtful like kind of all these kind of more broad sweeping kind of like widening of like the ecosystem does not kind of like overshadow like the small improvements or like the kind of the feedback like things that developers want that we in our in our cotton experience kind of find oh hey we'd like this thing or hey like where my sealed interface is at like the, all of that is still addressed and kind of in in mind and i i don't think i don't think i've ever felt like you know Kotlin is doing this big thing over here where, and then like the kind of day-to-day Kotlin developer experience is degraded anyway, or that you're, y'all are listening to us less. It's still kind of like, it's like you're able to kind of keep the, the juggling act of the balance of kind of doing the broad sweeping changes, but also kind of giving us what we want and listening to our feedback and making, you know, the developer experience continually better. So. So on, on, on the same topic, actually, uh, I'd, I'd like to uh, hear, Pamela, do you actually have any anything on the on the topic? Because I remember you were uh, speaking about full-stack development, especially web development, which, again, as a Kotlin.js developer advocate, always makes me happy. So do you kind of also agree with the, the trajectory that, that um, Kotlin multi-platform is going? Are, are you kind of happy with, with where it's going? Or do you, do you see particular issues that currently need resolving? Uh, and Pamela, before you, before you reply to that, just just realize that all of Seb's efforts are at stake here in in what you say. <laughs> okay, well, I'll start off by saying that we had a Kotlin JS um, talk at our recent Kotlin meetup. Uh, I run GDG Johannesburg, shameless plug, and um, it was really really well received. So um, I think people are starting to think in that direction. Um, I I would say like the South African ecosystem is mostly like Android or backend for Kotlin. Um, people love Ktor. People like K Ktor. Um, we've we also had a talk there. Um, we had a talk on the um, compose uh, the 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 D DKMP that you recently featured in your JetBrains um, uh, newsletter. So I think Ktor is is very promising for we've got a very large um, Java enterprise um, ecosystem and um, Spring as well. So I think for that to compete with that, Ktor and the Kotlin version of Spring is actually um, a big contender. Um, so uh, when it comes to Kotlin JS, people are still kind of stuck in. Um, the normal React, VJS, Angular. Angular is particularly um, uh, popular in South Africa. I don't know why, but um, but we are slowly but surely moving to other frameworks, and maybe they'll they'll note take note. So talking about, I'm I'm loving hearing about Ktor. Um, sorry, Justin. <laughs> no, but uh, actually talking about uh, Justin, or more so Quarkus. Uh, you folks with Quarkus are doing things around Kotlin as well, right? Correct. Yeah. And uh, how's the adoption been there? Uh, well, judging from the backlog of things that I need to work on, pretty good. <laughs> There's a number of, of things that um, I'm trying to get to. Uh, it's I'm not the only guy doing it, but I'm the only one whose primary focus is Kotlin support. Um, but increasingly over the last couple months even, um, 
a couple of the members of the team have seen like, oh, this is what it takes to do it here. And I'll just tweak it over here and we'll do it. And so there have been a number of features that have gone in that I did not have anything to do with, which makes me happy. Um, but like we just landed coroutine support uh, in your REST endpoints. So you just slap suspend on your function and you're off to the races. Um, so it, it's going pretty well. On the subject of multi-platform stuff, actually, my next big task is Kotlin serialization to make that kind of a realization on, on the server backend with Quarkus. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, there's a lot of interest from the community on it. Uh, and there's just not enough hours in the day to get it all done as quickly as I'd like. But it's coming along. I thought you were going to say I'm the only one that is actually uh, excited about it. But oh, no, no. no there's a, there are a number of uh, guys on the team that are excited about it. They just have other responsibilities. So they contribute when and where they can. But it's just not as focused as I get to be about it. So one of the one of the very big topics I think uh, that you can you can hardly avoid when you're talking about Kotlin nowadays is is Compose Jetpack Compose. So I wanted to ask uh, maybe Brent, uh, you folks at uh, American Express, are you folks excited about Compose and maybe even about its its multi-platform future? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, we're starting to invest in already. We got you know the. IR flag turned on so we can have it enabled in our code base. Um, we're just kind of waiting for that 1.0 to drop. So yeah, we're kind of all systems go now for for jumping on to compose. Um, yeah, yeah, very excited about it. Um, I think it's uh, in the Android space. It's going to be a welcome change to have a a nice UI framework to to use. When I see you nodding, you want to add something. No, I, 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 I totally agree. Um, and I guess I, I could have been a little sad as someone who kind of got my early speaking started, like showing people how to actually make the current view system work. I guess part of me is like, oh, no. But I guess then I'll just have to switch, shift over to doing Compose Talks. Um, but no, I think it is really exciting. We're similar, waiting for 1.0. But, you know, I'm, I'm actually arranging a big hackathon week for, for my team uh, whenever it comes out. But yeah, it's it's definitely a big shift. And I think the fact that it, at Compose is a Kotlin Kotlin-based um, framework is really exciting as well and kind of just, yeah, it just feels, everything just feels very modern, you know, like uh, after all these years of struggle and and like getting the view system to bend to our will, uh, it, it feels very apt that this new view system comes with, you know, Kotlin, Kotlin behind it. So it's cool. And uh, for folks that don't do Android, namely... Justin, put up your hand. Margarita, put up your hand. There you go. <laughs> uh, do you do you see like Compose being that final? I was going to say nail in the coffin, but no, it's it's the opposite of nail in the coffin. It's it's kind of like that step that would actually maybe end up competing with things like Electron for cross-platform uh, UI development or not. I think. Uh... There's two points there. One is the approach that something like Compose for Desktop that JetBrains is working on is taking, which is the material-based UI toolkit initially built for Android, ported to run on all desktop platforms, um, certainly competes directly with something like what Electron is doing, uh, what Flutter is even doing, um, and certainly is a lot dramatically easier if you're comfortable with Kotlin than doing, um, you know, sort of like a GTK or any a QT, like any any of the other cross-platform UI frameworks. 
But I think it's also important to, that there's a distinction between the core of Compose and what Compose UI is, where Compose will actually allow you to target existing view systems, such as native ones that run on desktop. So you don't even have to potentially even switch away from um, whatever UI toolkit you're using, whether it's even like Swing, AWT, uh, if you're on JavaScript, you could be targeting the DOM. JetBrains has the Compose for web effort. Uh, on, on Android, you can target the old view system. On iOS, you can target UIKit. You can use the Compose core to target whatever UI framework you want because it's agnostic to that. And so, yes, you have the thing that lets you write it once and compile and run on all platforms. But if you don't want to, if you don't want to have the trade-off where you lose the like native UI toolkit for whatever reason. Uh, Compose doesn't force you to. You just have to do a little bit more work. I think that is like a hugely powerful thing that we're only starting to see be realized with efforts like uh, Compose for Web. So it it seems that this is going to be the next thing where we're going to have to correct people, just like with coroutines and suspending functions, making the distinction between uh, compiler support and library support. I know the, the Arrow folks were always uh, quite adamant that we specify that correctly. Yes, Compose UI and, and Compose itself uh, will be the next thing. You mentioned Compose for web. Uh, did any of you folks uh, give the technology a try? And like, how did you feel about this? Do you, are, you, are you bullish on this? Nobody tried it. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I have tried it. I'm not a web guy. I, I, I write... Oh, but you're a, you're a but you're a Kotlin guy, so now you can be a, a web guy. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm 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 actually following on Jenkins. I'm actually really excited about Compose Desktop. There's there's an app that I've been I have like 80 projects in my head that eventually I get to someday. But one of them, a couple of them, are desktop apps, and I keep like do I do Java effects because I'm a JVM guy, or do I do Kotlin uh, Compose for Desktop? And I'm I'm kind of leaning toward Compose because. Uh, I don't. I don't ever get a chance to play with the multi-platform stuff, and it would be kind of nice to to kind of branch out into some other areas. I've tried Compose for Web. I I think uh, I think it's a very important. You know, to your to your point about like the Compose versus Compose UI distinction. Uh, I think Google it has dropped the ball really hard there, uh, and so I think Compose for Web is like a really important thing to exist to prove out the fact that you can do. Uh, you can do things like target the existing, you know, DOM that runs in a browser with uh, the same uh, like declarative style of writing UI that you would only get if you were doing, you know, like JavaScript. So you could still write your the column that you know and love, but target the the UI toolkit that exists in the browser. Uh, and you don't have to be a like the key is you don't have to really be a web developer if you've done Compose for Android or Compose for. Uh, desktop, then those skills will translate. You just have to sort of adapt your mindset a little bit to, to the web rather than um, having sort of the same components there. Uh, and that's really just the tip of the iceberg. And so I'm ho hoping that project sort of um, is very successful because I think it is an important step towards making the Compose core something that's viable in, in a lot of places, in addition to just, you know, Compose UI being uh, a single thing. I think you've actually also showed off very nicely that it is in fact possible to render to different targets with, I believe, your your terminal-based version. It was called Mosaic. Am I right? Yeah, uh, Mosaic Mosaic was a a port of a library called Ink, 
which is a JavaScript library, which does the same thing for, for like making pretty terminal interfaces with React. And so Mosaic is the composed version of that where you can make pretty terminal interfaces with um, with your, your Kotlin compose. So let's move on and talk a little bit about the future. Uh, I know that before we started the recording, I, I, I asked whether there is a future. Uh, but uh, <laughs> assuming there is, uh, where, I mean, Jake, you did a talk, uh, obviously. I, I can't remember the title exactly, but it was something like, <laughs> Kotlin is dead long or Java with <laughs> Java, Java 21 or, or Java yeah. something like that, right? And, you know, as Java gets more and more features that are uh, similar to Kotlin, we obviously continue to get the question of, oh, you know, why should I adopt Kotlin? Um, and is there any future for Kotlin given that Java has many of these features? So what do you folks all think about this? Do you feel there's a future for Kotlin? Now, remember that, you know, if you strongly think there isn't, Seb and I got to do a talking weather show instead of a talking Kotlin. But <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What does what the future hold in comparison, particularly, I guess, to Java? I, I believe that there is still future for Kotlin uh, because despite there is Java 16 and Java 17 is coming, uh, the majority of the world is still on Java 8. Uh, and we personally know it because it's also our pain point in Sonar Source for like Java Analyzer because we are a part of a build. And uh, we had to support Java 8. And we are only now thinking about moving to Java 11. So it's like even if uh, Java 19 or Java 20 will uh, uh, beat Kotlin in features, Nobody will really use it at that point. So we need like 10 years or something for people to get to that point to start using it. So, and anyway, Kotlin has uh, this uh, 10 years too to develop new features and to find its niche. And I, I believe that uh, Kotlin multi-platform, it's uh, something that... Um, actually beats the Java, even if it's Java has all the features of Kotlin. So like, to, to my mind, and I believe that there is a future for Kotlin and there is uh, a field for Kotlin to be to be on the market. Yeah. Now, do you think there's a future for Kotlin.js? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that's a great point because um, having just upgraded the Kotlin support in Corcus, it's way easier to change a POM to move from Kotlin 1.5 to Kotlin 2.0, whatever's next, right? That's a very easy upgrade. You rebuild, you run your tests, and for the most part, it's rather seamless. Um, to upgrade your JVM from 8 to 11 or 8 to 16, there's a whole lot of testing that has to go on. And if you're in some of these other, whether it's like a bank or insurance or whatever, there's a lot of certification and validation that has to go on that you don't necessarily have to do with an upgrade. And Margarita's right. Like most people are on, I think the SNCC or maybe it was a JetBrains survey showed like most people are now moving to 11, but that's still five versions behind the latest JVM. So even, even with Java records coming online and this and that, like no one can use them yet because no one's on 16. And it'll be years before they are. I mean, do you think that there's kind of been this culture set in the Java um, adoption that things go slow? And that is somehow now backfiring 
to to the fact that you know the Java team is releasing new versions what every six months, and most people are just not upgrading to it. I think it, whether or not you think it's backfiring depends on what sort of outcome you want. I think it's allowed people. I, I think it's allowed the JVM team to um, rev on rev on different features much more quickly, um, and and to kind of validate. Like if you look at some of the switch upgrades, they went through like two or three different versions of what the new switch looks like across like two or three different releases, and it's allowed them to play with things and fine tune things in a way that, that they weren't before. So I think in that sense, it's allowed the Java language to really evolve and the JVM to evolve in a way that it couldn't have before. But adoption is slow because people, are, you know, they're weary, you know, they're wary of upgrades, and the JVM is a significant upgrade. I think there's a lot of historical baggage there because you you'll see you'll see people updating every say two months their version of Java eight for the security patches that come out, but they're unwilling to do an update every six months for you know eleven to twelve to thirteen to fourteen to fifteen to sixteen because it feels like the old Java where there's a really heavy baggage that comes with that. There certainly is going from eight to nine. Like eight to nine is is brutal. Once you get over that hump, uh, these updates every six months should be the same thing as ideally should be the same thing as the bumping the Kotlin version in your palm. You know, like the the stability of the VM uh, is such that at least now that you should not feel this like dread to that. But the historical baggage of you know Java having those just massive releases for so long, and the pain that they inflicted on developers, uh, I think you just have you have the fallout of that, and it's why we're not seeing people eager to make that jump. Well, and the Java 16 upgrade is not pleasant for Kotlin users. I'll just say, Kapt, for example, is broken on 16, as far as I can tell, because there's some reflection stuff involved. Yeah, I think as Java team is going to like removing unsafe and uh, uh, because of this illegal reflective access exception, uh, that's really hard to upgrade to the latest versions of Java because some libraries that are using reflection uh, that cannot just be run on Java 16. And sometimes there is like no other solution to solve this problem. And if you depend on that library, you cannot upgrade either and it's like, the problem that if your dependency cannot upgrade, you also cannot upgrade. And, right. and the whole world now cannot upgrade. OK, quick fire round. That means everybody, right? What do you want to see, given that we all agree that there is a future for Kotlin? Uh, what do you all want to see in Kotlin 3.0? Um, with the new compiler rewrite, I would love a compiler plugin because I have a Kotlin co a source parsing parsing library that can do almost everything I want except like for type inference. Um, so I'd I'd love to be able to plug into the compiler rather than parse source code and say now that we have this IR, generate me some source code. And that's not there yet. When I talked to the team a couple of weeks ago, they're like, eh, it's not really there, and when there's no plans for the rest of the year to work on that. So by 3.0, surely by that point we can have like a a, a plugin API. So that we can piggyback. Uh, meta programming does seem to be the name of the game for a lot of folks. Yeah, I have a couple libraries that could really use that. 
Yeah, it's funny you mention uh, tooling because I find the tooling good and compared to many other languages, it's just fantastic. So the fact that it's good and you want to get better is is great. But um, I think you hit the nail on the head with speed. I'd love to see some speed improvements. I just like I'm hoping the front end IR is at then because I, I feel the need for speed as I think most devs usually complain about. So if we have that by three, is that like is that cheating to say by three? Am I like am I like trying to draw out like the actual roadmap numbers by saying that? I don't know. But anyway. And and but I but I will say what uh, the other day Twitter said when they said you want the edit button. I just say don't worry about speed, just takes life a little bit slower. Slow down. <laughs> See life go by, you know, every time. No. I think I have an answer to this question. Uh, I don't know if I would love to have it for 2.0, but uh, as far as I understand, it's nice to have in 3.0. It's front-end intermediate representation because as a static tool analyzer developer, uh, currently I need to work with uh, PCI and PSI and uh, binding context to write rules and to traverse Kotlin tree. and. Uh, that's not that convenient as it could be. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. and I've seen like uh, there is work on uh, from front-end intermediate representation. I tried it a little bit, and it's like working in very simple examples, but doesn't work in in general case. But I believe it will be in three to zero. And will I get kicked off if I ask for a ternary operator? <laughs> no, don't, don't worry. We'll, we'll forward this snippet to Roman, and he will probably have a nice message for you. <laughs> yeah, it'll be N O. <laughs> okay, so who's next? Well, there's only Pamela and Jake left. I can go. I, um, I think that you know it's it's really hard to say because of many years in the future. So it's really hard to say, but I would like Kotlin to really keep relevance at its heart. So to think about what are the other cool, smart kids on the block doing is important. But keeping that heart of Kotlin, of um, conciseness, but readability, but comprehensibility, but all these things that, that we like about Kotlin, keep that at heart but also keep relevant with what other languages are doing and are being loved for. Um, so it's not a, a specific answer, but it's just staying relevant. Yeah, for me, um, I, I think I don't have one specific answer either, uh, but a thing that I feel a lot with Kotlin is the influence of the JVM and compatibility with Java, and it holds back a lot of the language features. Uh, I, so I, I guess my like what I would like to see is, um, you know, the recognition that like JavaScript and native doesn't have a lot of the limitations that the JVM has. Thinking to things like uh, on the the Kotlin survey that came out just the other day, um, union types was on there, which is something that like, you know, the JVM has a potential to model five years down the road in an efficient manner, but currently does not. You either, you know, box to like a sealed class or you just do an object and instance of or whatever. Uh, and I feel like um, this is not a problem or it's less of a, it's certainly less of a problem on JavaScript, not at all a problem on native. Uh, and it's something that would really enhance a lot of Kotlin. You see, you see like fake union types show up in libraries like coroutines and serialization 
and so just in general, not not to like focus on union types, but even things, you know, like overloading functions based on return type is not possible because that's not something Java can do. And things like that, you just feel a lot of Java's influence on Kotlin the language that I would like to see massaged out over time. And a lot of that I think you can only do through breaking language changes, which would have to come through major versions. So um, nothing specific, but just an eye towards now multi-platform and the capabilities of these uh, more powerful platforms um, being sort of honored in the the language features that Kotlin gains. Interesting. So would it be fair to say that you want a future in which when someone thinks about Kotlin, they don't think about a JVM language? I still think compatibility with Java is very important. Uh, I just think a lot of the language features are designed with a little too much Java compatibility in mind that might hold them back from, you know, just being a really great language for any platform rather than being a really great language for the JVM that also compiles to JavaScript and native. Well, I think we are almost out of time today, but I for the for the last little bit here, I actually want to shift our focus from the future of Kotlin to the future of Kotlin programmers. So if, if there are any people out there who are currently, you know, thinking about joining the Kotlin community or are joining the Kotlin community right now, like learning, getting up to speed. Do you have any kind of like advice for them or some encouraging words maybe for people who are on the fence of trying Kotlin? One of the most important things uh, for me as a developer throughout my entire career, not just with Kotlin, but with Android and the the and like my flash time before that was community and openness and access. And I think that I've had success in my career and the ability to kind of delve deep and do cool things because of I've I've just happened to be on platforms where there's a lot of openness of communication, openness of like direction, and also just communication between the people developing the thing, whether it's the platform, the language, whatever, and the developers that use it. And I think that, you know, if you're out there as a developer and you haven't started Kotlin, it's easy to find people, whether that is other like developers who are using it just like you are kind of in the trenches, but also being able to find, you know, posts and, you know, like forum conversations and Slack conversations from the, the JetBrains and Kotlin team themselves. Uh, and they're out there and they're there to answer questions and take feedback and to, again, make this like a, a kind of all hands on deck, everyone involved progress and evolution of the language and that's very valuable you don't get that everywhere and it can feel very isolating and also difficult sometimes getting into a platform and feeling like you you're just like someone who has to like do the thing or follow the rules or just have no insight or access to what's actually going on under the hood and i think that's really valuable i've enjoyed it in every single like you know platform that i've used that that is a that is a case for and kotlin is very much in that case so it's a great place to be um to, to learn and to try new cool things. So, yeah, there you go. I would agree with that. I would say that one of the greatest things about Colin is the community is like super friendly and super supportive. And that's not my experience with some other languages, I'll just say. Um, but I, I would also say that to add on that, there's a couple of other points. Um, touching on stuff we talked about earlier, you get kind of more modern advanced syntax sooner than you would on the JVM. You know, um, like back in the day, like you could do closures and lambdas on Android with Java 6 because the compiler did funky stuff. So if you can't use Java 19 today, you can use Kotlin 1.5 today, right? And still get these advanced features. Um, and so that 
for me, that's a perk because I get to play with fun stuff. Um, but I would also say, even if you can't use it in your day job, it's worth learning because I think every time you learn a new language, you learn to think differently. And learning Kotlin helped me write better Java code. You know, it helped me think about problems through in a different way. Um, so even though I had to write it in Java, you know, I learned to express things differently. So anything you learn makes you better at what you're already doing, even if you don't get to use it as, as much as you'd like. Yeah, I just want to echo that since Justin stole my point. Uh, I'll just, yeah, plus one to that. Uh, <laughs> if, you're try, if you're thinking of trying Kotlin, just try it. Even if you ultimately end up don't becoming a, um, a Kotlin developer, uh, there's just invaluable lessons to be learned by trying different languages, seeing how they model things, seeing how it forces you to think about how you build things. Uh, I am dramatically better as a programmer as a result of playing with Swift and Rust and Go. Uh, I don't program those languages day to day, and I'm actually pretty bad at most of these other languages. But in Kotlin, I and also in Java, I now think differently about how I do things like ownership. The compiler doesn't enforce ownership in any way in Kotlin, but languages like Swift and Rust are very strict about it. Uh, and just having those things on your mind. And so coming from, you know, like a like a dynamic language into something like Kotlin, you might start thinking about things like types and nullability and how you can introduce those into the language that you may end up in in a manner that's more safe. And so no matter what, there's just invaluable lessons to be had by trying something different. And Kotlin is a language that's very feels very modern. It's evolving fairly rapidly. And so, yeah, you really have nothing to lose by at least trying it. And you're probably going to like it. I mean, the community has exploded in the last 10 years from, you know, one to there's like 40,000 people on the Slack now. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an impressive language. And, I, you know, no matter what, you're probably going to enjoy your time with it. And if, if, if 40,000 people are too much for you to, you know, uh, join. You can always join Jay, uh, Justin's thirty-person IRC. Channel. Come over to IRC. It's very, it's very low-key, very welcoming. I can say a few words because uh, uh, some of my points are were already uh, mentioned by Justin and Jake. But, but uh, what I can say that I learned Kotlin, I guess, in two thousand sixteen or something like this. But I started uh, being paid for writing Kotlin code only this year. And I, I never regret that I learned Kotlin because before this, uh, we've been writing in Java, in Scala, in TypeScript, JavaScript, and a little bit Python. And I never regret learning uh, any of these languages because uh, every new language just brought a new paradigm in my life and new way of thinking in my head and uh, my code involved. So I just don't... I know not only the Java way of writing code, but I know how Scala guys are doing this, how in TypeScript this can be solved. And this actually influences the code I write now. Uh, so even if you won't work with Kotlin, it's still a great idea to learn something new, especially with such a great community and uh, such great people behind this. Yeah, on the practical side, I would like to recommend some books. I'm a book, book nerd. So I would recommend, um, so the, the, the classical book would obviously be Kotlin and Action, and that's what I learned, but it's unfortunately, I think, a, a couple of years old. So I would recommend Programming Kotlin 
And also, I recently started reading um, Effective Cotton, and that's also a great one. Um, but also, what I, what I like about the cotton community is the stories that actually come out of the cotton community. Where is it actually being used? And that's the kind of thing that you can say to your architect or your boss. No, hey, um, it's being used at this, this company. They're using it for data science. Or this company, they're using it for computer vision. Um, and that's what, what makes Talking Kotlin really important. It's, it, that's also a really great um, platform to learn from is um, just knowing the stories from the community. So I would, I would say, just suggest those. And obviously, Sebastian's talks are amazing. Am I being sarcastic? <laughs> no, sarcasm? No. <laughs> no, um, I, I enjoy all the, uh, all the um, cotton cloth talks as well. They're all very, like, useful and, um, like, really good to, to listen to and understand what, what the experts in the world are actually doing. Yeah, well, I mean, on the topic of books, we can definitely also recommend Sveta's book Atomic Cotton, which came out uh, just a short while ago. Um, so, especially if you're if you're new to programming, you're probably gonna find a, a very easy start with Kotlin uh, with that book. I think everyone like did a really good job of covering all the great reasons to get started. Like Pamela said, there's great materials out there. The community's fantastic. I think we're all like years removed from. Um, that initial step into it. But if you think back to day one of getting started with it, when you're in front of your IDE of, wait, how do I do this? I just remember it being incredibly smooth. So I guess that's what I would say to people is like, it's really a couple lines in a Gradle config file and you're off to the races. And I mean, how I started was just write Java code and do a, an IDE shortcut to convert it to Kotlin and read it. So, um, the entry into it compared to starting any other language is just um, much smoother. So that's what I would say to people who are hesitant to get started, just that it's easier than you think. And you might like it. You might like it, but if not, stick to it. You'll eventually like it. Stockholm syndrome and all that. <laughs> okay. Well, now, Seb, we're out of time, although we've actually been out of time for the past 45 minutes, but this has been such a great episode. We're going to have the full thing, right? Um, so I wanted to just say that, you know, for someone that's been involved in Kotlin from the early days and knowing many of you from very early on, I just want to say thank you on behalf of the team and JetBrains and everyone for, you know, it has been all of you folks that have made such an amazing community um, and you continue to be uh, friendly, welcoming, helpful. And uh, thank you very much for, for being here and helping. That wasn't sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> that was honest. Once in a while, I'm honest. I mean, once in a while, I'm not sarcastic. Yeah. I'm always honest. Right. Okay. So we're wrapping up, right, Seb? Yep. I think this is also a great opportunity to thank all of our listeners because I think we hit roughly 100 episodes recently. So uh, I suppose here's to the next 100. Uh, you, you mean I got it? Oh. Mm. Right. Yep. You're, uh, not getting, you're not getting I'm rid of me. Sit down on the next one. You are not getting rid of me. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, once again for uh, coming on. We hope, to, of course, to uh, check in with you folks at uh, the later point. Um, you're, of course, always welcome on Talking Cotton. And yeah, I guess it's uh, time for us uh, to say goodbye. To... 
Yes, and uh, don't forget to hit that bell, uh, not uh, bell subscribe button. This is directly influences our uh, our uh, our rewards. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Like, subscribe, bell the the whole shebang. Yeah. So, Howdy, do you do you do you think what? in ten years we're still gonna be doing talking Kotlin? You know, no disrespect to talking Kotlin or you, <laughs> but if I'm still standing here ten years from now. Yeah. <laughs> well, someone's got to do it. I want to talk about tomatoes. I want to talk about growing tomatoes and how to avoid rats eating your tomatoes. But hey, we can do this as well. All right. With that, I think it's uh, time to say goodbye. <laughs> Take care, everyone. See you in the next one. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you.